0: A lot of people make a a false distinction between happiness and holiness. What we see in Scripture in Revelation 20, verse 6, is happy and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. And actually, that is a translation of that Greek word makarios, which means happy. But most versions render this verse blessed and holy instead of happy and holy. Well, now you get what sounds like two holiness words. So you don't get that beautiful combination of happy and holy together. That's who we are in Christ. We are to be holy, and that makes us happy. We are to be happy in Christ, and we will be happy in Christ for all eternity. So holiness and happiness are fully, fully compatible Second Chronicles 6.41 in the New Century Version says, May your holy people be happy because of your goodness. These are fully compatible concepts. And if you're walking with Christ, if you're enjoying a holy relationship with Him, you're living a Christ-honoring, obedient life, it will not make you sadder. It will make you happier. Sadness doesn't come with holiness. Sadness comes with sin. Sin is the source of all unhappiness. Therefore, holiness and happiness are fully compatible, and that's exactly how we should see them in the Christian life. We've gotten a false idea of holiness and happiness as somehow incompatible with each other. And there's a number of reasons for this. One is, I think, we actually associate sin with happiness. We think of, oh, let's go out and have a good time. And how do some people go out and have a good time? Well, they try to find moral standards maybe to violate. But that, that's not where true happiness comes from. So the Christian overreaction to that is to say holiness is a life that is separated from that happiness stuff. We're just going to pray and read the Bible and have church and recite verses, and we're not going to be happy, but at least we'll be holy, we'll be set apart. Well, that's nonsense. There's not that distinction between the two. Holiness feeds into happiness, and proper happiness feeds into holiness in which God is glorified. Galatians 5.22 in the Contemporary English Version says, God's Spirit makes us loving, happy, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. Now you notice the only word, even though these are in adjective forms rather than noun forms, that's different from the traditional fruit of the spirit translations here is that second one. It's usually love, joy, and here now it's love, happiness. Well, the word that's translated Happiness is a word often translated joy, but if you look up kara, this Greek word, in any lexicon, you'll see joy, happiness, delight, gladness. These are all synonyms. That's a perfectly good translation. Most translations don't use that rendering, partly because it kind of sounds unspiritual to people who have been taught that happiness is somehow a bad thing. Happiness and holiness, fully compatible And when you are living in the Spirit, and God is present in your life, you won't just have some non-emotional thing called joy. You'll have a happiness that is deep-seated and overflows. People will look at you, and actually, your face will show a happiness that draws people to you and to the gospel you preach. God says in his word, You be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The best reason for our holiness is God's holiness. Likewise, since Scripture teaches us that God is happy, that God takes delight, that God finds pleasure, we should be happy. We should have delight. We're told, delight yourself in the Lord. And as a result of that, we should look at God's happiness as a primary reason For our happiness, just as His holiness is a reason for our holiness. We are to be like Him, uh, to be Christ like, to be godly is to be like God. Sometimes I think we're kind of led astray in our thinking here because we look at happiness passages, which, because of the way they're translated in the most popular Bible versions, sound like holiness passages. So, Psalm 1 that says, blessed is the man who lives the godly life, doesn't walk in the way of sinners and all of that. And we think that's blessed, set apart, different, unique, sacred. But really it's that Hebrew word asher, which means happy. So happy is the one who lives the holy life. Likewise, in the Beatitudes, uh, we see in Matthew 5, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But the literal translation, Young's literal translation, uh, a version I don't normally recommend because it's, it's too literal in certain respects, but it translates it as happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And even happy are those who suffer. Happy are those whom men speak evil against for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, When you hear that in English as blessed, you just think, yeah, these are holy people because that word blessed now means that. I actually did a poll of over a thousand people on my Facebook page to say, what does it mean? What comes to your mind when you think of the word blessed? And the vast majority of people gave answers that indicated that it means some level of holiness, like, you know, the blessed Virgin Mary does not mean the happy Virgin Mary. It means the holy Virgin Mary in people's minds. So I think what we've got to do is come back to this and say, what was Jesus actually saying in the Beatitudes? What was David saying in the Psalms? When they used Asher and Macarius, they were talking about being happy in a context of holiness. They were talking about being happy in the midst of our holiness, but unfortunately that's something that we lose in many of our popular English translations. A lot of people object to the idea of happiness from the point of view, if you're seeking happiness, then you've got to be selfish. When in scripture we find some very interesting things, when we look at some of the context of holiness and, and self-sacrifice. In Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it or will save it. Well, the bottom line of that is, here's the way that you find your life. Here's the way that you save your life by giving up your life instead of trying to preserve it from the very beginning. So in other words, if you do the holy thing, the sacrificial thing, uh, this noble thing for the good of others, you will actually find your life. You'll be a more fulfilled and happy person. Self-forgetfulness is one of the things that studies have shown that is very important to a person's happiness. If they're going around all the time just thinking about themselves, life will never live up to their expectations. They'll never be fulfilled. They'll never be thankful They'll never really be happy. It's the entitlement mentality. If you think you're entitled to something, then you're not going to be grateful for it if it comes your way. When you think you don't deserve something, when you know you don't deserve it, then you look and see the grace of God in all the small and larger things he sends your way. A study was done in an office environment in which people were asked to name the most sacrificial people the people who did the most for others. And they were also asked to name the happiest people in the office. And sure enough, the people who sacrificed the most for the good of others, the team players, were also the happiest. Famous missionary to Africa David Livingston was speaking to a group of students at Cambridge University he talked about how people considered him such a self-sacrificial person. People would always talk to him about his great sacrifices in going to Africa and living in, in primitive conditions. And he went on to talk to these students about the joy, the happiness, the pleasure, the privilege of serving Christ. And he ended up by saying to them, I never made a sacrifice. Now, did he make sacrifices? Yes, he did. But what he was saying is that the sacrifices he made were completely outweighed by the happiness and the pleasure and the rewards of what he experienced. Romans eight eighteen says, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us.
1: Well, that's interesting. Let's talk about it. I've come to find over the years that a lot of times, when it comes to spiritual matters, we talk about topics, and when we're talking about them, we seem to be in conflict. But that's because the topic is seen entirely different by the people who are talking about it. Sometimes we will take a word that's used in the Bible, like the word happy, Seems almost awkward because it's not in most of our English Bibles. Most of the Bibles he was quoting that use the word happy were more modern translations that were trying to kind of like shock your senses. It is in the meaning. It's not incorrect. But we're a little surprised to find the word happy in the Bible. We're not surprised to find the word holy in the Bible. We think it belongs there and it belongs no place else. (laughs) And that's as big a problem. Let's start with a little definition of the word. When the Bible uses the word holy, it always means special, unique, one of a kind. Uh, If you go back to the book that has the most usages of the word holy, any guesses what book that might be in the Bible? Leviticus. Leviticus. Leviticus establishes a number of practices for life and worship in Israel. And God would say something like, uh, here's this cup. I intend it for use in the temple. Use it for this. Don't use it for anything else. It is, what do you call it? Holy. <laughs> it's holy unto me. All right. That's all he meant. He meant, I made it for one purpose here. Don't take it out and drink your morning orange juice in it. It's supposed to be special so that it brings you to the point of realizing something I'm trying to teach you. It's holy. Okay? So when the Bible uses the word holy, it always means it in that very way. For instance, you're not surprised to find, the Bible tells us, God is holy. That means simply There's no one like him. He's special, unique, one of a kind. You may remember that on more than one occasion, God would say to Israel, I will not share my glory with another. (laughs) And you may remember things like when he appears to Moses in the burning bush and says, I want you to go back to your family and lead them out of bondage in Egypt. And he goes, okay, but when I go, they're going to ask me what your name is. Because all gods in that day had names, right? Well, God tells him, but after he tells him, it's like, what kind of a name is that? But if you understand it in the context of holy, you get it. He said, I am that I am. That was his name. Well, that's obviously not his only name. But that is consistent with who he is because he's saying, I'm holy, there's nobody else like me. There's nobody, I'm not like God number one, I'm it. (laughs) I'm the center of the universe, and everything hangs on me. That's who I am. I am. And why uh, John picked up on the fact, in retrospect, the apostle, when years later he wrote his gospel, he picked up on how Jesus kept using that term. I am the way. I am the life. (laughs) Okay, that kind of thing. And he was overemphasizing the I am. He was referring back to the very name of God. Special, unique, one of a kind. How important is this to God? Well, it's of extreme importance. I think he makes the point when John gets captured up into heaven and John is standing for a moment in the throne room of God, before the throne, he notices That God has created some strange looking creatures. In front of the throne, he writes, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal, and in the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second, like an ox, the third, had a face like a man, the fourth, was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Now, what would you call, what adjective would you attach to these creatures? Yeah, unique, holy, right? Unique, special. I've never seen anything quite like that. I once saw a man who had the face of an ox. But I've never seen any of those creatures. That was a joke. Okay? <laughs> They're unique. God created them for one purpose only. Day and night. This is heaven. So that, that's a way, earthly way of saying throughout all eternity. Eternity past. Eternity in the future. They never stop saying... Holy, 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 put it put in the definition, special, unique, one of a kind, is the Lord God Almighty. They're saying it over and over and over again. He was and is and is to come. So, number one principle from the Bible regarding holiness and happiness. God is Holy. Unique, special, one of a kind. And his holiness brings him great happiness. How about you? Well, you might be surprised to find, according to the Bible, you are holy. You might say, no, no, I want to be holy. No, no, you are holy. Okay? What you want to be is you want to walk in holiness, You want to live a holy life. Those are reflections of who you are, not who you are. To God, you are holy. I mean, look around for a minute. There isn't that bigger crowd here. Connect with the face of every other person here. You see the person who's just like you? So what are you? Holy, special, unique, one of a kind. When do we get into trouble in our lives? when we try to be like the person next to you, we say, "Oh, I got to dress like that. I got to look like that. I got to talk like that. I got If you're a Christian, you're going to say this and you're going to do this." And we try to put you into a little box that makes us feel comfortable, that's unholiness. You may remember Paul said in as he opened Romans chapter 12, he said, "Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the it, conformity is the great sin of humanity. When we forget, God made me special, unique. Be who you are. I think, uh, isn't that Matt Nagy has got that on his clipboard? You be you. Something like that, okay? And that, he's got a good point. So next time you watch a Bears game... And and cheer for them to stomp the Packers now that they don't have Aaron Rodgers and all that kind of thing. (laughs) Then just look for that. It's on the back of his clipboard when he holds it up. You be you. That's a message from God. You are holy. There's no one else like you. So then this passage that um, Jackie read from 1 Peter chapter 1 makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, he's saying... Be serious about this. We sometimes say, see, you're, you're separating seriousness from happiness. <laughs> That's not the case. You, you, know, and you know somebody who's serious about having a good time. Okay? That's a good thing. If you're going to have fun, then have fun. Like if you ever went on vacation and took your cell phone with you and checked back with work every few hours, okay, you don't know how to be happy. <laughs> That's no way to be happy. Okay, <laughs> You can be responsible and be happy at the same time. You can be holy and be happy at the same time. With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at is coming. In other words, look forward to the happiest day yet to come. Then as you think about your lives on earth again, as obedient children do not, what's the word? Conform. Conform is the opposite of holiness, as he's going to introduce here in just a minute. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Well, the evil desires weren't, I used to like to do this, but I know that Christians shouldn't do it. That's That's not what denotes it an evil desire. Are you doing that activity, participating in that activity? Because it's a good and godly expression of who you are, who God made you to be, well, that's holiness. Don't eliminate that from your life. On the other hand, if you were just doing it because you were trying to find happiness in something other than your relationship with God, something other than the life God has called you to, something other than the person God made you to be, In ignorance, that's a mistake. So he says, just as he who called you, who's that? God is holy. So be holy in all you do. Now he's talking about holiness. All right. And let me tell you how this is interpreted by 99% of the commentators. And they, I don't know where they're coming from because they've totally misinterpreted the word. Right. Right. Does that mean to be like God? No. If, if holy means special, unique, one-of-a-kind, and God is holy, special, unique, one-of-a-kind, and you started being like God, then there'd be two of you, and neither one of you would be holy. Is that correct? Exactly. Just like God is who he is. Just like God has as his nickname, I am who I am, That should be your nickname. What's your goal for life? I want to be who I am. I want to be who God created me to be and who God designed me to be and who God has called me to be and who God saved me so that I could be. (laughs) You see, that was the problem. Is that once sin took grip of you, that's when conformity became an issue, wasn't it? No longer did you say... uh, Gee, I wonder if it would be a good idea if we upgraded our car. No, you just look over at your neighbor's driveway and go like, hey, they got a newer car. Think it must be time. What do we call that? It starts with C. Conformity. Okay? You, you put on your tie and you go like, hey, I like the way that looks. Oh, I don't think they're wearing that kind of tie this year. This is, a, this, is a, this is kind of a medium one, but this is a wide one, and they're wearing narrow ones now. I probably should. No, you be you. Don't let the magazine cover tell you how you ought to dress. That's not holiness. Be who you are. Including if you go to church and go like, oh, they look really holy. Look at how they're dressed. That's them being them. You be you. Be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So when it says be holy because God is holy, it's not saying be like God. It's saying, like God is holy, you are holy. And like God never does anything inconsistent with who he is. Stop doing things that aren't you. Stop trying to be who you're not. Because God is holy, he always behaves in a manner consistent with who he is. Never does other than that. God never wakes up in the morning. Well, he doesn't wake up in the morning, but if he woke up in the morning, euphemistically speaking, he doesn't wake up with regrets. Because that's where regrets come from. What you don't want to do is get to the end of your life and say, I was never who God created me to be. That would be a mistake. Because God is holy, he always behaves in a manner consistent with who he is Psalm 91 says, Exalt the Lord, worship Him, for He is holy. All you need to know about God, really, is He is holy. No one like Him. Because you are holy, everything God makes is holy. Imagine you're the cup for usage in the, in the uh, tabernacle or temple. God's saying, I made you for this. I didn't make you for that. I designed you to live and think and act and relate this way. What do you think you're going to find if you pursue that kind of lifestyle? Happiness. You got it exactly. At the end of the road that is the life of holiness is happiness. Obviously, because hey, I'm being who God created me to be. I'm doing the work God called me to do. I'm living the life God called me to live. I'm being holy. Your maker calls you to always live in a manner consistent with who he made you to be. And when I say he made you to be, I'm saying also, you can incorporate more that, he redeemed you to be. (laughs) Because... (laughs) He made you <laughs> to live a sinless life, but you were born with a nature of sin and you practiced sin and that left you far afoot I sound sort of like um, the detective there doing far away from the idea that I'm unique. God called me to a unique life. Psalm twenty nine. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord. What is the glory due his name? Worship the Lord in the beauty of what? Holiness. When God looks at us and sees us being who he created us to be, being who he spent his son's blood to redeem us to be, he smiles. When God looks at us frustrated with trying to keep up with the Joneses and be like somebody else, God is sad. He called you to holiness.